G'day and welcome to another episode of the Luke's Lowdown podcast. Today's guest has won running races all over the world, from road marathons to mountainous trail races. She is a two-time 100-kilometer world champion and back-to-back winner of the Western States 100-miler. And also, she is the course record holder of this race in a very rapid time. The first British woman to win the Comrades Marathon in South Africa and also voted ultra runner of the decade. We have Ellie Greenwood on the mic. How are you, Ellie? I'm doing great. Yes. Thanks for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. And I want to throw something really random out there to you and... You were really cruising along in your running career throughout 2010, 11, and 12. And I retired from professional football slash soccer in 2011. And I signed up to the Marathon de Sables for my first ever running race, which was in 2012. Now, the reason why there's a massive smile on your face, the reason why I'm telling you this is I knew nothing about running, I knew nothing about ultra running in 2011 so I started looking on the internet and I came across this woman named Ellie Greenwood so <laughs> I am a, a a longtime fan from many many years ago this, this guy who just signed up to this crazy race in the desert knew nothing about ultra running and I came across your name back then so I want to say thanks for sharing all your tips and your insights you know over a decade ago online because I learned so much from you back then I was going to say, I'm going to feel pressure now if you didn't do well at Marathon de Sable because you'll be like, I listened to all these tips, but then I've never run in the desert. So that I would that would be my disclaimer. But uh, yeah, no, that's very cool. I love hearing stories like that, right? Where people say, oh, I, yeah, some random thing where you don't realise people are maybe following along or watching what you're doing. And that's uh, that's very cool. So, yeah. yeah. So I, I, was, I was thinking about guests for uh, this series of the Luke's Lay Down podcast and I, I got through maybe like six or seven people and then obviously, and we're going to get into this very soon, like you haven't really been racing a whole lot and you'll focus a lot more on your coaching, which we'll touch on as well. And then all of a sudden I was just walking one morning. I'm like, I've got to reach out to Ellie because that would be so cool, like full circle, right? <laughs> it is full circle. And that's how I, yeah, I like coincidences or how the world works like that it's kind of it's kind of neat so, it is yeah. it is very cool so you know your your running resume is just you know mind-blowing and it's not something that we're going to go through race by race by race because we would need like a whole series and a whole week to go through it you know you've had a very successful running and ultra running career as well I want to make sure that uh, we you know separate that because you've won several road marathons as well so what I do want to dive into, though, is really sort of understand Ellie, the, the human, and also Ellie, the conversational piece that goes on in between your ears when you're out running, when you've been racing, when you've had some battles with other, with other athletes that I definitely want to get into because um, we have a mutual friend that you fought out a, a race win many years ago. I'm, I'm, I'm going to dive into that in a second. So this is where we're going to go. And it's always something that I spend time on the very first proper question that uh, I, I ask my guests on the Luke Lowdown podcast. And it's always very different. So for you, this is what I've come up with is what is something that running has taught you that you use and apply in your everyday life? 
Oh my goodness. Um, this is going to be an interesting conversation to start with, Luke, because I don't even really think about these things very much, right? I think some people, yeah, but no, this is interesting because some people are real thinkers of, oh, you know, because of this experience and this, and, the, you know, they go through that thought process. I will admit, I sort of like drift, drift along in life and, you know, something comes along, oh, I'll do that or whatever, right? But, um, I mean, I would say the thing, most directly and particularly with ultra running because let's be honest ultra running is fairly hard um and I often say this to people I coach like you know particularly like first time ultra runners they might think oh well I've done all the training so you know the race is going to be easy because look I've done everything that you've said Ellie, and you know great and it's like yeah that makes it easier it doesn't make it easy um and so I guess one of the main things is just you know keeping on going even if things aren't going perfectly that you can problem solve not quitting like that kind of stuff because I certainly had races um that I competed at which you know had rough spots in the middle and it wasn't like every race was textbook and this was just like plain sailing um so I had some pretty you know some races you know and some of my main races that weren't going along smoothly and yet you kept on going and you figured it out and you kept a positive attitude and oh goodness I overtook one person and whatever and obviously in a race I mean sure like it's not the only goal but one of the main goals is to end up as high on the podium as you can right so and I guess you know so you can totally transfer that to life right that you know if you're thinking whatever it is work or you know anything really of things don't have to be perfect you just have to keep like adapting and yeah staying positive um you know looking for solutions that kind of stuff yeah fantastic I I love it that you started with you know, like ultra running is hard, no matter how much training you do, it, it is hard. And like, I'm the same, like I've got a bunch of athletes who I've coached now for, for many, many years and you could do, okay, let's be honest, the perfect lead up to a race doesn't really exist, right? Cause there's always something a little kink in the chain, but you could have a client or, or even yourself prepare for six, nine, 12, 18 months, two years for a certain race, whatever it is. And you do everything great. It's fantastic. But bottom line, that ultra marathon is still going to be painfully difficult. So where I want to go now is knowing this in your preparation for your races, how do you sort of have that conversation with yourself? Or how did you have that conversation with yourself when you were racing at the elite level, knowing that, okay, I've done the work, but this is still going to be really hard. I mean, I think if you go into ultra running because you think it's going to be easy, uh, you've got it. You've got it wrong, right? So you have to, in somewhat, in some way, the satisfaction is that it's hard, right? Um, and this is something I find interesting in like the growth of the sport and like ultra running is getting more popular. And I mean, yes, because I mean, say lots of people I coach are like every, everyday people, right? Okay. But I think there's, and, and some people don't want hard in life for sure. Okay. Right. Like they want the easy way. Okay. Well, in that case, I'm going to say maybe ultra running is the wrong activity to take up. And that's not to say, because I don't really like this just because of a function of how long you're out there, it's hard. 
but we have got to be honest that yeah okay if you sign up for a half marathon well it might be hard but most people go yeah but it'll be over soon enough right so something about ultra running is that like it's just relentless and you've got to keep going and it's unpredictable and and all that kind of stuff so uh yeah i mean you have to uh yeah you you have to want want to do something challenging and i think challenging can be a good word for it because that's a bit more of a positive mindset right is is that you're there to sort of see see what you can do and not a totally like hard like what are you what are you made of kind of thing right but to prove to yourself that you can do yeah stuff that's really challenging and that's that's really why you should want to do ultra running i i totally agree so you're very conscious that ultra running is hard and you've articulated that very well. So why did you do ultra running for so many years? What was the appeal to you knowing that it was going to be hard? Um, I don't think I particularly did it. Sorry, this is a bit contradictory because it's hard. I just really liked running. Like, yeah, but right? Why did, why did you so like running? Yeah, because I like being outside, okay? Like, that's a major thing to me. I mean, and don't get me wrong, because I do actually like running on the treadmill as well, right, okay? But, I mean, one element for sure is I, I like running. I like running. I like being outside. Um, I don't know. It's just the, the community, like the friends you would meet. Obviously, when I got into racing, another level was... Um, the cool places you could go which I do think with ultra running there is more of that because of course I don't know again if you go I did a half marathon trail race sure you might see some nice scenery if you do a hundred mile trail race you see even more nice scenery <laughs> so um yeah I mean the travel element was definitely a fun extra layer to it it wasn't the driving thing but it was something nice of you know um maybe say more traditional road racing you could get to after a while oh you know I've done a race I've done a race and they're all much of a muchness right whereas with ultra running it's like well you can even in my backyard still there's there's trails I've not run on right um so that element of whether it's travel or just even on a smaller scale seeing different like natural locations like I always liked hiking um even before I got into trail running so then the trail running was this perfect mix of I'd got into a little bit of running and I liked hiking well hey let's combine the two and that's trail running right um yeah and then I just like I don't know like it just feels good to like go run right like just the, and I mean there is definitely for sure like uh, probably most of the people listening to this are runners um but I totally get it for you know if you've been out of running for a while or or you are newer to it you're like it's not fun yeah because it is hard work like there's a pure fitness like element to running but once you crack through that like you know I'm really out of shape and this like just feels painful and horrendous then you start oh like this feels quite good because you just uh, yeah I can't explain the science behind it. I'm not a scientist, like, but you know, the whole running endorphins and runners high kind of thing. So. Yeah, definitely what I was looking for was a personal opinion and that's what I got. So that's, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah. I, I know what you mean by 
you know, like, and everyone who's listening to this, I, I know the type of listener that I have who I engage with a lot is they, they know me very well and they, they know the content that I put out there. And, you know, it, one of my big messages is growth comes through discomfort and, you know, choosing consciously choosing to put yourself in a difficult situation, whether that's in an ultra marathon running race or, you know, actually writing that email to a work colleague or having that conversation with someone that you've been putting off for a long time, like not necessarily just physical, but, you know, I truly believe that if we consciously choose to put ourselves in these, you know, diff- I'm using air quotes here, difficult situations, that it gives us an opportunity to grow because we do step back from discomfort a lot of times in our lives because it's really easy to have a comfortable life. So hearing that, it's, it's, it's really, really nice to hear for someone who's so experienced in running as, as you are. And I think so many people can take away from that to say that like, yeah, like we have to also, and this is, you know, I'm talking to the coach side of you now is we have to understand that we can't compare ourselves to what we were in the past. Say we were super fit going into a hundred mile race and you had some time off or you've traveled or you've had a family or you've moved, whatever. And you haven't trained really well for like five, six months. Well, you can't compare yourself to what you were leading up to a race where you're super fit. So you've got to really focus on where you are right now in your fitness and your journey and you know, know that, okay, this is going to be difficult, but if I am consistent with my training, it's going to get better. So what sort of conversations do you have around this type of thing with your athletes now that you're a coach? Um, yeah, and uh, I think what I was thinking of as you were speaking earlier, it was a lot of it is also to do with the attitude, right? So that level of, you know, some people just say, no, no, I'm very, I'm very determined. I'm going to do this. Yeah, sure. Okay. But what, what does the actual training look like? Okay. And then you get other people who are, I'm really going to do this, but there may be more, um, underconfident I guess I'd say so they're maybe more inclined to think I've just got to train 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 right and everything right um but even if you've done the training piece like let's say you know they've nicely followed a training plan I've laid out for them and whatever then it, it is also about you know your mindset and your and your mental approach to it right um I mean if I give a personal example like sure when I was racing I did go in races like hoping to win and wanting to win but ultimately it was like okay I'm going to run my best on the day right um and if that ends up that I win and set a course record like that's amazing okay if I end up not doing you know far less well than maybe I'd hoped in terms of relative to others well if you walk away and you say well I gave it my very best shot I couldn't have given anything else right um well how, how can you criticize yourself for that right um so yeah that's sort of uh, uh, and I do think I mean definitely like the mindset or mental approach is something people can work on I think there's a little bit just like physical talent you have some people have got they've got a better mental approach to ultra running than than others right? I agree so, so how did you or where did you learn or how are you taught that whole mindset of, I, I, I hope to win and I want to win, but in reality, all I can do is the best that I can do today. Like, was that something that came natural to you or, or how did you learn that or who, or who taught you that? 
I think, uh, I mean, I think it just kind of came to me a bit more naturally because fundamentally, like, I was doing these races because I really liked running, right? Like, if you said, oh, are you doing this to win? Well, I really hope to, okay? But why really? Like, I didn't come from, like, some professional background. I didn't have some five-year plan of, oh, I'm going to try and become this. Um, I didn't have a coach until many years into my running, right? Why not? Well, because... Um, you know, I won't go totally to my background, you know, I did, I did a road marathon, I thought, oh, that was quite fun, then I heard about trail running, oh, this is quite nice, right, start doing more local races, oh, well, I'm apparently, I'm like, okay at running along, oh, this is, bizarre. right, okay, now, that was, like, rewarding, of course it was, like, oh, you know, people start, oh, well done, you won a race, that's kind of nice, right, okay, but fundamentally, I, I really think I would have run maybe not as much because of course then I started to be like you know I had sponsors and I had the opportunity so there was then you know I would never say I was professional but semi-professional at what I was doing right so yeah then of course you're like oh I've got obligations on other people to do well but honestly I think if I got into running and never been particularly great at it, like let's just be in an average middle of the packer, I still think I would have run as much. I, right, okay. I, so it comes from, I really like running. Yeah. And just talking to you now for what's been like 20 minutes, I, I, I think you would be like that too. If you were just sort of middle of the pack runner, you'd be still you know, loving life as much as what you were when you're, you're yeah, winning. Exactly. Exactly. Which I think is, and I'm not criticizing people who have more like, I mean, maybe you could say I wasn't particularly ambitious in a way, right? And so I wouldn't blame people who have, you know, bigger goals of, oh, well, you know, I'm sort of getting a little faster at this. So, you know, hopefully in two years, I'll get to there and then I would do this, right? Like, okay, that's, that's great. But that's great if that's not your driving force, because I think if that's your driving force, and I mean, I've even seen even like more recreational runners, right? Okay, like they get like, oh, I want to, you know, maybe they get obsessed about qualifying for the Boston Marathon or something, which is a very good recreational like goal to have, right? But qualifying for Boston, you're not going to become a professional athlete, right? Okay. Or, you know, maybe these days it's trying to get into UTMB or Western States or whatever, right? And they sort of lose, slightly lose track of like, but if you think about your first two or three ultras, had you even heard of Western States? No, you just loved going out and hanging out with a bunch of cool people, meeting new friends along the trail because you're all having a rough spot and you rallied together, right? You loved the fact that like, oh, that was challenging. I'd never been up a mountain that high and there I was in the middle of the race, whatever. Like, that's why you got into it. So even for more recreational people, you know, like try not, I mean, I respect people that have got performance goals, but you've got to keep that as like, personally, I think slightly in check and fundamentally keep your love of why you started doing what you were doing. Yeah, so. it reminds me of exercise I do with uh, a lot of my, depending on the background, but a lot of my new clients who I coach who step up to ultra running and I'll ask them, you know, before their race, the first ultra marathon to, to write down on a bit of paper or, or in a file somewhere that they can get to at a later date, why they're doing it. And then mm. after the race, write about the experience. 
And then if they go up a distance, same thing in that same file, why are you doing this race? Say they did a 50 miler and then they did a hundred K. So before the hundred K, why you do this race? And then after it tells about the experience and then say they step up to a hundred miler and that same thing. And I do this for that same reason that you just said is if people start to lose their way, you know, if I'm coaching someone for many years, which I, which I do, if they start to lose their way and start to lose that joy, I remind them to go back to that folder and say, Hey, this is where your passion started. This is why you do it. You wrote that, not me. I didn't tell you that and remind them to go back to that. And it sounds like that's exactly the same thing that you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, definitely. And I would also say, I mean, I guess, I guess people's like why can change along the way as well, Mm -hmm. but then even so that's a useful uh, like exercise because if they go back to it and then don't identify with what they wrote I don't know like 18 months before or something right um yeah but I think that's fundamentally true and I mean I more on a smaller scale encourage people to do that like it, like in a race so if you're going to in a race what's your real driving force in part because like we've alluded to ultra running is hard so maybe at mile 40 of you know 100 miler you're suddenly like oh I don't care about this I'm going to drop out at the next station right okay because you've got so in the moment of like this is really hard or I feel terrible or whatever right whereas if you've got has to be a fairly succinct but you know like a mantra or a few like words that that sort of remind you of like no 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 this is really why I'm out here and then you go oh okay maybe I guess I can carry on right all that and that sort of hopefully stops the idea of you know the next day when they're like oh I really shouldn't have dropped out but they make you know everybody makes a heat of moment decision so something that checks you in on like okay is is this a bad heat of the moment decision or no am I really out of here even though you know yesterday I'd written down this you know sort yeah. of why if you're out there exactly so I'm really going to test your memory now and yeah exactly <laughs> and see see what we can come up with so it's 2007 right we're going way way back I'll, I'll jog your memory with something okay. you, you're in the 100 kilometer world championships and you're battling out with Lizzie Hawker. Does this? Oh, this is 2000 and sorry. Uh, 2007? No, 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 no. Uh, 10. 2010. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, yeah. sorry. I was like, wow, what did I do in 2007? Right. Unless you're at one of my local trail races. I'll have which... to, I'll have to fire my researcher. Um, <laughs> <That's okay>. so, <laughs> that was me anyway. Um, so you're, you're at the hundred kilometer, uh, world championships and you're battling it out with lizzie i know lizzie i've spent many much much time with lizzie actually in nepal never never been with her in the uk only ever spent time with her in nepal um and you're you're battling it out to become world champion of the 100 kilometer distance and that race got pretty close for a period of time you know all things considered being at a 100 kilometer race (laughs) and you like when you were like really felt like you were in a in a race um of of this distance with lizzie can you remember what sort of conversations you were having with yourself or what you were telling yourself during the later stages of this race uh, yeah so okay can i can i backtrack first sorry i'm quite good at deviating okay so i first uh, when i had done 
I don't know, had I done any ultras, maybe a couple of local 50Ks, okay, and a couple of marathons. And I was living in Switzerland, and I did the Jungfrau Marathon there. And this was probably about 2005, 2000, yeah, 2006 or so, okay. And uh, it's Jungfrau Marathon. And look, I am like middle of the pack in this race. Like I can't, if people, yeah, yeah, you weren't middle of it. No, I like genuinely, I was middle of the pack. I took a day off as my job as a tour guide living in Switzerland and went to Jungfrau Marathon. And I remember at the time, um, it actually was the World Mountain Running Championships that year. Well, I'd never heard of the World, World Mountain Running Championships. Anyway, there was this, little British woman with these like little glasses and this little headscarf on. Wow, she's third, she's on the podium. That was Lizzie Hawker. And I remember, and I knew nothing about like trail and ultra running anyway. So I always think that's kind of cool anyway. And then to get onto the team in 2010, I kept uh, the British team, like I'd run this qualifying time. Nobody in the UK obviously knew who I was. I lived in Canada. Um, so I kept, um, emailing like the guy on the website that you're meant to like hi uh, I've run this time for 100k I'd like to be considered no reply no reply and I'm like mm. anyway so at the time I uh, everybody had a blog back in 2010 no Instagram so uh, I reached out to Lizzie Hawker on her blog and said don't want to bother you hoping to get on the team yeah yeah no that's uh, yeah that's the right person to contact anyway so and then I went to Gibraltar and met Lizzie so that was very cool I mean she is one of I think yeah she's one of my idols and she is the most amazing person so anyway so yes then fast so this is a sort of background of like oh, then I'm in this race with this person that's like, yeah, that's that woman I saw like five years ago, okay? And now I know about her because she's got a blog and, you know, I've been reading her blog and, you know, it's all exciting in Switzerland and I can't remember if she's in Nepal by then, but, you know, like, wow, this is like Lizzie Hawker. So what, I mean, she really was like my idol, right? Like it wasn't just, oh, I'm racing with this other person it was like you know at the time for sure she was definitely like you know the person in ultra running um yeah but again and call it it's not overconfidence maybe it's a bit of naivety it was like well this is a race and you know I'm gonna run as best as I can right so because I'm a big believer even at that time when Lizzie had you know a million more achievements than I did of like well amazing people can have bad days and I'd run a qualifying time and not that she had a bad day but just to say like you know people that say oh that record will never be broken like any particular record well of course it will be right like no records are going to stand forever so you know at some point you sort of have to go and I, I'd run a qualifying time that like put me up there right so it wasn't like total oh well I'm just going to run half an hour faster over 100k than I've ever done before it was like if I kind of ran the time I qualified in I should be up in the lead pack right so that wasn't overconfidence it was just like the reality of it right and uh, yeah anyway I mean it was interesting because it was a lot of I, I mean I didn't have a super race at that race I would Lizzie actually led the race for most of the way um it, it was laps um and then I'm trying to remember now because it was 12 years ago so it wasn't like I was 
battling out with Lizzie for a long time. Um, it was more a scenario, there was Lizzie in the lead, there was Monica Carlin in second from Italy. And then like, I sort of came along and it was like, oh my goodness, like they're both just there. So I went past Monica, then sort of like 10 seconds later, I went past Lizzie and I did actually, uh, so that this, it was just really, I went past them, right? And I did actually say to Lizzie like, Monica's right behind us we have to like go now because we were on a British team right okay and you know so Lizzie I had some affinity with right um whereas Monica was like sure I'm sure she's very nice but she wasn't somebody I knew and she wasn't on our British team right um so yeah it was uh yeah but again I I wasn't overconfident but I always have the belief like yeah like someone as amazing as Lizzie maybe on paper should have won right but there were other people up there with equally valid times, one of whom was me. And so you just keep on trying. And if there comes an opportunity and this was like 7K from the end, right? Then you're like, okay, I'm just gonna like go for this. And it's not, at that point, you're not really thinking too much. You're just like, okay, I can run at this pace and I'm gonna run at this pace because I can keep this up for like, yeah, the last 7K or so. Yeah, so when you were coming up to, uh, second place monica i think you said her name was yeah yeah uh, and then obviously lizzie w w was just up ahead like was apart from the fact that okay i just need to keep doing what i'm doing which sounds like is uh, and i don't want to put words in your mouth sounds like a bit of a mantra it's just like just just keep doing what you're doing you're okay like we're all good here <laughs> w was there any sort of other conversations going on in your head when you were, when you were transitioning from third to second to first and then knowing you only had seven k's to go only I mean a little bit right but I think mostly I had I mean I was I won't say like oh I was some unknown person and I will also put it out there like in 2020 2010 the world 100k championships I mean it's still pretty niche but even back then like there were always good runners that go was it the most competitive ultra in the world just because it's the world championships i don't know i really don't think so right um for me it was a very cool opportunity because like i would have never have thought i would be wearing like a gb singlet right like like i said i didn't grow up in competitive sports and then you're getting sent from like british athletics this running kit i'm like this is what they wear to the olympics i think there's been a mistake right okay <laughs> so um but um so and, and like i said like people on the british team i think they're like oh hi nice to meet you who are you oh sorry i live in canada right because this was the other thing you know like but but i did have a good uh you know canadian cheer squad i mean like a virtual cheer squad but yeah like i had friends who were legitimate friends who said you know like like ellie you could win this right and i'm not one to just go All right okay yeah sure okay i'll go win it but i did have enough sort of people behind me like and people in the know right um one of whom i don't i mean this is like this shows what random thoughts go through your head but um I don't know if you've heard of Gary Robbins, who's like a Canadian ultra runner, uh, famed for the Barclay Marathons. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, I was good friends with Gary at the time. I mean, I still am, but don't see him as much. Um, so, and he'd said to me before I go, like, hey, this is crazy. You could win the World 100K Championships. And honestly, 
with probably about 300 meters to go I thought Gary I'm gonna win the world touch <laughs> so I guess I was yeah but this was partly I think so I was thinking of you know my friends and people like I said in my little ultra running circle who had said like yeah like uh, you're like good luck and you know hey your qualifying time maybe you could win this right yeah so and yeah. I do want to throw it out there you you did run a seven and a half hour 100k and that's not slow by anyone's means no 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 it's not slow by any means it was a totally legitimate legitimate time would it win world 100k now I think they're getting more competitive on the woman's side um, I think it's a very different world now ultra running um to yeah 12 years so ago. I, I don't mind saying like now I might get fifth or something with that but hey I was there at the right time you were you were so you know you've had a lot of success and we've touched on a few bits and pieces with that but the you know 2010 which is the year we're talking about 2011 2012 you you won a lot of races you know big ones like western states back-to-back -back course record which still stands you know that is a, a pretty good cv booster for lack of a better phrase <laughs> um and we and we, we we might go back to that uh, later on but what I want to chat with a little bit now, and no doubt you've, you've talked about this at length over the years, is you had a pretty tough year 2013 after three years of success where you had some injuries. Um, how, how tough was that year for you going from what you achieved 2010, 11 and 12 and then not racing a whole lot in 2013? Yeah, so 2013, I got a stress fracture which now I look back on and I'm like, oh, that's cute. Right, anyway, because I've had a lot more injuries since. But you're right, because in the context, like, you know, when you've been cruising along, maybe had, oh, you know, little aches and pains here, but off you go to a physio or you get a massage and like, okay, that's fine. Or maybe take a couple of days off and you're, oh, and then you're back at it, right? Okay, so yeah, to then it was just, before I was yeah I was going to go to comrades in South Africa at the start of June in 2013 and then go to western states and in May I find out oh I've got a stress fracture no running for at least six weeks and then you've got this like baby run walk program so it's like so sure I agree like in the context at the time and in the context of where I'd been up to this point so it was like major races were like definitely not happening um and I'd never been in that scenario before, right? Um, so you're a first-time injured runner. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was hard. I don't think it was insurmountably hard by any means because, I mean, again, it was an injury with, okay, so super disappointing to miss those races. Like, of course, you know, I'd won Western States the year before, I'd come second at Comrade. So yeah, by this point I did have, like, although I say I was doing it for the love of running, also I was like competitive and, you know, and these were just super experiences and these were the big races of the year. And, and you know, I don't think I was overly bothered, but you know, people, oh, Ellie, not coming to these races right you know there's a little bit of now people are following what you're going along to right um 
and of course at the time someone saying you can't run for six weeks like seems like you know six years and right um on the other hand it was an injury with a very clear like this is how you get through it right okay so it wasn't like well, I don't know if you're going to get back to running. There wasn't, well, we'll do some surgery, but we'll have to see how the rehab goes. No, it was like, okay, you ran an awful lot. That's probably why you've got this stress fracture. Maybe we should look at your gait because it's in your fibula. That's a little odd. You should be weight bearing. Well, so go to a go to this very good physio, you know, speak to a nutritionist just in case there's an angle there. I got in with a sports med doctor, come back and see me in six weeks, and then we'll sort. So yeah, and then I was probably then for the rest of the year, um, actually like reasonably patient, right? Like I ran a, a low-key marathon in I think the September of that year, having got the stress fracture, well, having found out I got it in the May. Um, and because I think by that point, it was like, well, I've missed comrades, I've missed Western states, I'm not going to hurry back, right, to, like, I've missed my main races. So almost probably right away, I mean, again, you're asking me nine years later, so I can't be sure. I didn't write things down in a little box that I can now pull out. What about your like blog? You yeah, what about my blog? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I can't remember. Uh, I will have to look back. So, <laughs> um, uh, so it's like, look, I've already missed kind of my two main races of the year. That's Those are just not happening, right? So, oh, well, in a sense, there was no pressure of like, well, maybe this other main race I want to do in four months. Well, there wasn't another main race I wanted to do in four months. I mean, I'm sure I would have done, but you know, so yeah, so I sort of like took my time, um, really. And like I said, I just loved running. So I got back out and, you know, I volunteered at a few little races, right. Um, and I would layer this with as well, like you say, so sort of how did you manage with it? Well, I also had a full-time job with a travel company, right? And I think this is like, you know, okay, recreational runners can definitely identify this. We're like, okay, but like, it wasn't like I was a professional athlete sitting there going, what do I do with my day? Because apparently the cure is rest. Well, I'm doing that, right? You know, so it was like, oh, well, you know, eight o'clock in the morning, logged on, got to make hotel bookings to these, you know, so I had a 40 hour a week job. And then, you know, yeah, of course, I was, you know, I loved being active and outside, like I said, right. And I did the pool running and swimming. And actually, that year, I bought my first road bike, right. So, you know, I stayed as active as I could. But it wasn't like I had 24 hours a day sitting around going, I don't know what to do with myself, which I think having balance in life to a certain degree because then you have something to fall back on so most of the people who will be listening to this will be people who have a full-time job and yeah. just love running from i'd say most of most people listening to this will be some sort of endurance athletes uh, at the very least so if you could speak to someone who's listening to this conversation that we're having who is in the middle of some sort of injury and they have their 40 hour a week work and, you know, they look like they're going to miss their A and B race, you know, the big race that they're going to have for the year. What sort of advice could you, could you give them to help them, you know, move past this tough time? Um, 
so I mean all sorts of advice so okay the first thing I rem I always remember saying this so I think when actually when I had that stress fracture I gave her like a presentation at a running club or whatever and there was a physio friend in the audience and she came up to me after and she said that was really good what she said though because I at the time and so I only remember it because she quoted it back at me anyway I said you know very few injuries are permanent which is marginally hilarious given the situation that I'm in right now. But anyway, but in 2013, like, so if anyone's got, you know, even if it's a pretty, but even if you've had to have like some kind of surgery or something, right? Um, very, very few injuries are going to take you out forever. They might take you out, I agree, from some super important race, one that you've worked for years to like get ready for, right? Um, you know, so it's devastating at the time. I appreciate also with recreational athletes, you know, particularly in ultra running, um, still the average age is a little older and people are like, but I don't have forever, right? You know, I'm getting slower, right? I mean, that's a lot of the people I coach, right? It's like, you know, yeah, 10 year project is nice, but I'm going to be 50 in 10 years and they, you know. Um, so you also just have to, so yeah, most things, you will get over, okay? Um, I would encourage people within reason, you know, so throw yourself into the rehab, right? If it's just rest, okay, it's just rest. But is there something more proactive you could be doing that would help you towards your long-term running, right? Because then you still feel invested in it, right? So go and volunteer at a race. You might find, learn all sorts of tips and tricks, right? Okay, oh, the people at the front were doing this. I'd never thought of doing that, right? Okay, so, or um, I don't know, maybe you go on an emergency first, wilderness first aid course, right? Okay, that was something I've been meaning to do. Maybe you always went to the gym, but didn't really know what you're doing. Okay, now I'm going to get, you know, if it's an injury, you can like somewhat train through. Yeah, I'm going to go and work with a personal trainer for the next two months and really learn, you know, what stuff I should be doing in the gym, right? Okay, so you come out not feeling that was wasted time, right? I mean, I don't think any time is wasted, right? But if you're the sort of person who's very driven of like, you know, goal focused, and now your goals have been taken away from you, think of like, okay, if you were running Marathon de Sable next year, there's probably things you could be learning now, right, that would help you that are not physically going out and running, right? So I think that's one thing, right? Um, or, the other pivot direction is do something entirely different, you know, like maybe, you know, so if you're like, you know, yeah, but I just, you know, I can't stand being around runners. I can't run like that kind of stuff. Okay. Well, take it as an opportunity to go and do, yeah, something entirely non-running related that you wouldn't have done because ultimately as well, remember running will always be there. Pa pandemic aside, like practically all races are every single year okay so i agree and i'm going to say western states particularly or hard rock okay oh, i'm really sorry if you're injured and you are not able to run those because that's a tough call okay but even a utmb or you know a lot of races now have got lotteries but yeah maybe it takes you three years to get through the lottery again okay well what there's plenty of other races out there so it's not you know don't treat it as a as a deal breaker um either take it as an opportunity to go and do entirely different things 
or go right okay well what are all the other things sort of linked to running maybe you take a coaching course or something like that right um just to uh learn skills and things outside the physical side of running but yeah most of all very few injuries i i think that is some of the best advice that we've had on this series of the luke slowdown podcast it's good it like in the in the what's the right word i don't want to be lazy with my language the interesting thing is it's complete common sense right i can't run so what else can i do to help me as a runner or help me stay connected to the running community or learn something new about running it's complete common sense but so many people just um struggle to be able to not to to focus on anything but the actual fact of running so i think that is some great advice and then to flip it over if you can't sort of stay in that running world to then go and try something completely new when you were saying this i was laughing inside because when i came back from the marathon de Sabs, like that is a whole nother story everyone who follows me and has read my book would know what happened there i went in with an itb injury i had cortisone injections before i went out there and that wasn't even half of it. I degloved my toes. I was on penicillin on day three. I finished the race. I had a stomach virus. I had intravenous drip on day four. We were still 40 miles to run. Yeah, I got my money's worth, Ellie, to, to put it bluntly. <laughs> but when I came back, my toes were infected. I had to have surgery on my toes, all this rest of the stuff. I started kayaking. I learned how to kayak. Yeah. I learned, I did my um, open water kayaking certificate. I could do the Eskimo rolls. I was, I was um, kayaking, uh, uh, you know this, uh, down in the, the Solent, down near Southampton, down on the south oh, yeah, coast yeah, of England. Yeah. So I was doing all there with all the ships and the boats and everything. So I just literally said, well, I can't run. I need time for my toes and my knee to heal. So I'm going to learn how to kayak and got in that, involved in that community. And it wasn't so much that I didn't want to be around the running community because I'd only been a runner for six months. I didn't have a running community. So I was like, well, I'm going to go and do something else to enjoy still being around people and that, that community spirit. So I think those two pieces of advice off the back of, if you are struggling with uh, an injury and you can't do your races, I think it's just golden. So thanks for sharing that. And I'll add a few things. That, okay, the first thing I will say, you are allowed to have a pity party to start with, right? Okay, so you don't need to like walk out of your doctor's office with some like, oh god, apparently I've got this, I can't run for long. Right? Okay, off we go. Right? Okay. Do you have so, any? Sorry to jump in. Do you have any rules for this pity party? <laughs> I don't know. Like maybe a week or so, right? Oh. Where you can, yep, yep. No, but seriously, like you know, give it time to settle. If running has been like super important to you and you're devastated and you can't miss your races, yeah, like you don't need to like, oh well, it's fine. I'll just go and learn to kayak, not to worry, right? Okay, like you know, have have a little time to uh, tie back, yeah. And also, I would say like you know, identify what you like, what was important to you about running, right? Okay, so if it was getting outside maybe you don't want to do pool running because that's inside. So maybe you go, okay, I'll dust off my road bike and get outside. Not quite the same, right? Okay, but I'm, hey, I'm outside, right? Or if it's the community, like I said, yeah, go volunteer at races, right? So sort of identify, yeah, what it was. Maybe, maybe I don't know, for you, Luke, maybe it was like, you liked the learning process and the skills. So, okay, I'll learn another skill, this kind of sport, like kayaking, right? So yeah, figure out some, Thing. D- 
so yeah if somebody yeah you need to identify what what's going to be somewhat satisfying to you so in a way I sometimes say to people so when you get to the end of the year you might go that was super disappointing that you know I couldn't run for however long but wasn't that cool that I went and did whatever it was so as I said, I think that is absolutely golden advice for anyone who is struggling with an injury or may have one. Write that down somewhere that you can come back to. So the last sort of big question that I want to ask or the, the last period of your of your running career that I'm going to dive into is the Comrades Marathon um, that you did uh, a few times. Uh, 2011, you came fourth. 2012, you came second by 72 seconds. Um, and you might be thinking, well, that's a long way, but over an 89 kilometer road race, 72 seconds, and I've, I've not been out there, but I've seen the course. I'm guessing 72 seconds, you could probably see the person in front of you. Not quite. No, I think she was around the corner. It finishes in the stadium, but yep. Yeah. And then 2013, <laughs> we, we talked about that. You, you, you battled through that, that, that time. Well, battled is probably a bit strong, but you got through that time. <laughs> And you were like, right, 2014, let's go back to South Africa. Let's go and do this. And you, <laughs> you went out and you were in third place with um, eight kilometers to go. I've got to make sure my research is on the ball here. Eight kilometers to go. You're in third place, five minutes down from the lead to be the first British woman to uh, win comrades and your first win so talk me through the end of this race of what's going on in your head and what you're feeling because i like this is this is a complete personal question i'm just intrigued like that i want to know like you're you've you've been doing this race for years you've just come back from a year off pretty much and this is a race that from what i can gather has some meaning to you that this, this would be really cool to win i like it i've been out here for a few times now you've got eight kilometers to go you're in third place you're five minutes from the front Talk me through it. Yeah, so exactly. Like I've gone in 2011, run this race once, kind of been slightly persuaded to run it and went and went, this is amazing. Okay. So, and everybody- was, Why have... was it so amazing? Sorry to butt in, but why was it so amazing? So let's say most ultras you've maybe got, I don't know if it's big, 500 people. Okay. And off you go in the woods, right? Okay. And you come into the finish line. Like, put it, okay. When I, uh, 2012, CCC, so the mini UTMB, okay. I came across the finish line. It was pitch black. I was hand in hand with these two guys. I'd finished on the course. Even my mum didn't recognize me. Okay. So, okay. Comrades, 16,000 people. Okay. So it's huge. Okay. It's a road race. So there's supporters, not like wall to wall, but a lot of the way there's supporters. It's close to a hundred years old. So there's all this history and there's different medals if you finish in different times and there's traditions where you're meant to pick up a flower and put it on, uh, you know, Arthur's seat partway through. And like, there's just so many, like there's a culture around it right so it's not just how fast can you run from a to b right okay um yeah so the first year i'd gone i was like this is just it's so much fun and also it was very competitive which is that's also appealing too right 
Um, yeah, so I really, really loved it. Um, and then when I went, so I went back, came second. When I went in 2014, like you said, I'd had the stress fracture the year before, okay? So it was like, okay, what am I going to do in 2014? And I thought, well, I was pretty close to winning Comrades. So I would really like to win Comrades. Um, I hadn't run Western States the year before, so I didn't have an entry to Western States. So spring of 2014, I could have run, try and run my way, a qualifier into Western States and do Comrades and do Western States. And I was like, no, that's too much. I've just come back from injury. So I'm going to have to put Western States on the side and its Comrades. So I did a couple of races like in, in preparation, um, but they were, this is lining me up to get into Comrades. So it's like all my eggs are in one basket. I really want to be as ready as possible. I, I always said I never went into a race going saying I'm going to win, but this was definitely one where it's like, I'm really going to try to, right? Like that was, whereas others, like the first time I ran it, like, and I think even the year I came second, it was a bit of like, I didn't really go in thinking I'm going to try win this. So like when I came second, I was honestly like delighted, right? Um, so yeah, so 2014, exactly like, you know, all this year of injury, uh, I don't have any other races immediately on the slate, all my races in preparation, like I'd done a road half marathon PB, I'd done a marathon, I'm like, okay, they're all lined up to comrades. And then I had a fairly like mediocre race like, right? like you know as runners we've all had it like you get out there and your legs are dead and you're just like I don't know I don't feel so super today right but because I had been injured I was like I'm making it to that and I'd said this before like I'm making it to that finish line right like yeah I would hope I'm up at the front if it all pans out I win if it's disastrous I've got so normally I would finish in somewhere between six and six hours 30. There's a 12 hour cutoff. I'm like, if it takes me 11 hours 59, I'm getting to that darn finish line, which in a way is a good thing because it keeps you in the game. Like it keeps you like, you know, you don't just go, oh, this is going wrong. I'm off the sidelines and that's it, right? Kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I don't know exactly what you said, but yes, I had this. Uh, so I'd had quite a rough race of just, I don't feel super. So I think I'd really run slower than I had the fitness for okay um yeah and then I was getting feedback you know like literally one of our team managers at the sideline Ellie you're in third don't worry fourth isn't going to get you first and second are too far ahead just keep where you're at right okay so okay great and I wasn't like oh no I'm going to go and get first and second like not by any means but this was everybody was just like okay you're solidly in third just don't slow down you won't get caught but nor are you probably going to catch the people in front of you um but yeah but I think because I'd gone slower earlier maybe I'd been having a pity party or you know just like you know getting my legs warmed up I'm not sure right um then I was pretty well and people start to say oh you know there was uh two russian twins ahead of me elena and Ale alessia nurgaleva um uh elena has won the race eight times and they were like oh the twins are slowing down the twins are walking and i'm like yeah well i was walking that hill just perhaps or whatever so i'm kind of a little like yeah thanks but mm, whatever right um 
but then I did more people start to sort of maybe throw out comments and I thought oh maybe and then I just came around the corner and I could see them both ahead of me right so honestly look at this point like I think I I took the lead 10 minutes before the finish line which in a six hour 18 race is reasonably a sprint finish right I, I agree so again at that point you just go okay I'm going for it this might be once in a lifetime and it's turned out it is right but I was just like I have just got to like well clearly I was running faster than otherwise I wouldn't have caught them I wasn't convinced I was pretty sure I'd got Alessia like she didn't look super strong but Elena I was like I don't know she's won this eight times maybe she comes so again it was just like I am just gonna run literally as hard as I can which you say well you should be running as hard as you can in any race but you know normally the final two kilometers if you think you've got the win or you've got the time goal yeah you're running hard but this was like okay I might never be in this situation again there's a super super way more experienced than me runner that I've just overtaken so yeah it was like just absolutely go for it so yeah so, it was cool. so with all that like giving a nice little race recap thank you for that um how, how did you feel once you crossed the line and knew you won? Can you remember? What was that initial feeling? I think I was slightly like in shock, I'll be honest, with you, because, uh, I mean, okay, at the start of the day, I had hoped to win. But then probably for like, yeah, six hours, I thought, huh, oh, there's no way I'm going to win this thing. Like, what were, you, what were you thinking that you were going to win it, right? Okay, so... It, it all happened very suddenly. So yeah, like I mean, at the finish line, I think I'm looking a bit dazed and confused, like like everybody else, like what just happened? Because some people are like, no, she, like she's run out of space. So yeah, no, my honest uh, reaction was I was, I mean, not shock shocked, but I was slightly shocked, like what did just happen? Because obviously in those last 10 minutes, I'm not thinking I'm winning. I'm thinking like, oh my goodness, I could win this but I might not, like I could get overtaken again, right? So that, you know, those 10 minutes where I was in the lead, like it was super focused. It wasn't, I wasn't savoring, oh, I'm in the lead, isn't this nice, right? So yeah, honestly, it was shock. And then uh, it was very cool because um, there was a couple of people from Vancouver and Canada uh, who were there for anywhere, Marathon con Congress and, um, like I looked up and I saw Frank up in the stands and that was just really cool because it was like I knew again all my Vancouver running community like come on Ellie like go for it right so that that was kind of like just that was a cool moment because it's again like okay I'm on the other side of the world I was on a really cool team so that was cool like you know having those people that I'd been on a team with for numerous years but then also yeah it was that kind of like you know I, I was honestly thinking back to like friends in my running club in Vancouver and that kind of stuff so fantastic yeah. well there's a underlying thread that I'm hearing throughout our entire conversation is that you from the purest sense, you love running and yeah. it's just the, the, the art and the movement of running. And also it's because you've said it numerous times, it's the community. It's the people who are in that community of running and your running community that really um, almost energizes you 
to to keep pushing and i think that is a a beautiful way to to wrap up today that ellie greenwood loves running and she loves the running community what does that is that fair assessment i would say that's a fair assessment yep yep and i but i'm not naive enough there's awesome running communities all over the world just you know we've all got our little bubbles right and like we're bringing back to the start of the conversation i think one of the things about running is fundamentally it is hard work it's not sure there is skill to running but it's not like uh, i don't know i always use golf as an example not knowing anything about golf okay but golf is fairly skill oriented right like technique and whatever whereas running it's a group of people who are just prepared to work hard right and that might be a four-hour marathoner or a five-hour marathoner right but everybody's working hard to do what you can do and so you might have people with all sorts of backgrounds but ultimately they're people who like a challenge and like to sort of push their limits and you end up with some kind of cool people so yeah you do you do and Ellie, I want to say thank you so much for coming on the Luke's Lowdown podcast. As I said, I have followed you since 2011. Your name popped up on a Google search. I can't remember what that search was, but your name did pop up. And uh, you helped me at the beginning of my ultra running um, career, for lack of a better word. Um, so thank you for that. And I want to give an opportunity now for other people who maybe want to come and, and find you and, and, and connect with you. How can people come and see what you're up to these days or even come and work with you as well? Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, so I am on social media a bunch, um, I, whether it's the best. Anyway, I'm on Twitter as Ellie JG and Instagram as Ellie J Greenwood. Um, so I post there pretty often. I'm not guaranteeing you'll get quality content but I, I go for entertainment value as well um, and then for coaching if you want to check out our team um, I work for shamanultra.com that's s-h-a-r-m-a-n uh, I'm just checking what the so shaman coaching uh, shamanultra.com my apologies so yeah Perfect. folks can check us out there and uh, yeah i always love to connect with runners fantastic i'll put all that in the show notes as well so ellie thanks so much for being a guest on the luke's lowdown podcast and remember everyone listening out there like subscribe to the podcast share it around with your running community and once again ellie thank you so much for spending the time chatting with me today thanks for having me Thank you.